ho, ho, ho. I think you did that last time. Well, I also explained how the rules worked to you last time, but I'm going to have to do that again. Possibly. I think I'll be better. This is our Films of the Year podcast. Yay! Yes, it's that time of the year where I realise how many films I haven't seen and how many films you have. So I'm really looking forward to your very considered, highbrow, real mix of blockbuster and a bit of independent, really well thought through, and then me coming in every now and again to go, yeah, and here's my my pick at number eight. You haven't seen a lot of films this year, have you? I'm really surprised, you know. I've, I honestly felt like I'd gone to the cinema more this year, but something's just not quite right. I got to page like 27, 28 of IMDb the other day, you know, when it lists the films that were released in the year. Yes. And I still hadn't got... 10 never mind sort of <laughs> 10 you know 10 plus that i could then whittle down to 10 there's an issue here as well mm. because i make a habit of watching all the films that you put on your top 10 of the year oh that's going to be interesting <laughs> i also did this to i also revealed this information to the robs from the movie robcast when i met them for a drink after a few um sam smiths <laughs> this summer <laughs> And I had to explain how, because there's two of them, I made a combined score. So then each of their number ones gets 10 points. The number twos get nine points and make a little top 10 of their own. You revealed part of yourself. That I revealed you part of my soul. <laughs> but uh, I think they shortly left afterwards and they didn't really. But uh, no, uh, yes, they, they took it with the grace that, they, uh, that, that you'd expect from two fine gentlemen. Better than I'd take it anyway, when some weirdo was making scores out of my top tens of the year at least you haven't told them about your spreadsheets oh no we did oh, oh really yeah. yeah oh you really went yeah. went full full on rob wallace uh, was impressed because he, he too has a spreadsheet so excellent we see see people, people do yeah. good for you mm. <laughs> okay we're, we're gonna start at 10 and we're gonna work our way down to one and if it's something that the other person has higher on the list we are going to give each other a nod and we'll cover it later on i'm fascinated by how this will work this year I think there's only two things on my list that you've seen, so I think that's going to be, I, by the sounds of it, by default, the both <laughs> going to be on there. <laughs> I think that's right. Right, let's go for it. What, um, do you want to go first? You go first. I'd admit. Okay, so film that I've seen really recently, and you, I think you've wa- watched me watch part of it as well, because I think I've finished it off while you were sitting doing things on your laptop, and that is Missing. Oh, yes. Not on my list, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, standalone sequel is how I think they've described it. That makes sense. Um, Because it's in the same universe as Searching, and it's the same premise in that we as an audience are watching a screen, a computer screen that the protagonist is, is using. And we're seeing them using technology and doing online searches and people making calls. It's the same universe, but a different story. I don't think anyone's had the FaceTime app as open as much as the people in these films (laughs) do, just to necessitate having them on screen in some way. What I really liked about this one was that it included, and obviously it would do, that technology has moved on in the few years since Searching's been out. So the ring, doorbell on the screen. The fact that you can now utilise your websites and apps where you can engage services 
in international jurisdictions and be talking to people in different countries and getting them to do things for you and being able to pay them online as well. I really like how it's moved with the tech. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if this is the number 10, then I'm quite happy with your mm. list, to be perfectly honest, because I think this is an absolutely fine movie. In another year, could have hit my top 10. Yeah. Um, I really, really think just a nice mystery that unfurls itself. Um, yeah, it just, it, I I was still guessing at the end. Um, I didn't piece together everything. I think you possibly did did a I little had, bit earlier than me yeah. but then i think you look for these things yes i do me. and i really it's part of the game for me i really enjoy trying mm. to put it all together sort of halfway through i something happened within the film and i thought oh is it kind of going to do this and i said to you oh, i'm not just i'm not really feeling where it's gone plot wise and you said to me like keep going with it give it a go i think you you might be surprised and i and i was yeah. so uh, thank you for that because i think i might have not gone back to it or it might have taken some time and it certainly would have ended up on the list if i hadn't finished it i just don't know how javier only had (laughs) 2.83 stars out of five yeah Yeah, javier that character was just such a good character as well like you think if you're watching someone on their screen it would just be them but you get to see friends you get to see people like javier um i really really enjoyed it good your number 10 my number 10 is bottoms Oh, Bottoms. Yeah, you've spoken about that recently. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is the new film from Emma Siegelman, who did She for Baby, stars Rachel Senna and Ayo Adabiri. They are two losers at the bottom of the social ladder in high school. So they start a fight club as a way to hook up with the cool girls. It's surreal, it's inappropriate, but it's funny. And I did a few of those... (laughs) in the middle of the cinema where you like you laugh at something and you know that you shouldn't do but yeah it's it's really sweet at times but yeah no i love this i love this and i think you you might even get away with it too i might even get away with it it does sound like it yeah. and we um well i say we you reviewed it fully a couple of episodes ago so yes. if anyone's interested in bottoms go back and listen to to mark's full non-spoiler review what's your number 9 so my number nine involves not for the last time on this list an actor who has had a, a, a controversial time of late. So um, it's Creed three. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So and and I've thought very hard about because I've got another one coming up. I've thought very hard about you know do you include these? Do you not? When I'm thinking about Creed three because it, it involves Jonathan Majors who has just recently been found guilty in a court case of assaulting his girlfriend, it makes you think about the film and the art in a different way because you're thinking about him in a different way because of the time he's had in the press. Yeah. But I think you can say that someone is good at something and has skill at something and can also be doing things that you don't agree with. And that's sort of where I've come out on this one. I mean, there are plenty of problematic people in music, not even the ones that we ignore now. Yeah. The, you know, uh, yeah, uh, strung through my most recently played, uh, unfortunately. But yes, I if if you are able to separate the the art from the from the person, um 
yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't have a problem with that. And you know me, I love a sports movie. Yes, um, so weirdly. Is, yeah, I know. Um, so obviously this is the third in the Creed saga, moving on from, from Rocky. Uh, it's um, Michael B. Jordan playing a, a Adonis, I need to say Apollo, um, Adonis Creed and Jonathan Majors, like I say, coming out as the villain. And he he does play, you know, this is why I'm I'm couching it in those terms to begin with. He does play an excellent villain. He, he makes you really feel very unnerved and um, cautious around him. But then also you, you have sympathy for perhaps what he's gone through in his childhood. You know, so it's... It's not just your big bad that perhaps you get in other movies where the opponent in the boxing ring doesn't really get any time and all you know is that perhaps they're from a different country and we don't like that country. That's kind of how the film sets it up, you know. Yeah. So I, I really appreciated the rivalry between the two men. I, I still there were still problems with this. Tessa Thompson, bless her gets very little to do and i think she's re she's really wasted but it has some fantastic directorial shots uh, michael b jordan's doing the directing this time round yeah. and I, I you know for all of its flaws and i could i could pick it and pick it and pick it for all of its flaws i just really enjoy being in that world and being in the world of of, of sport and and people who are excellent at sport people who can do a blooming good montage of them pulling trucks that's what I want to see. Um, still ludicrous that he got the world title shot, but um, there we go. What's your number nine? My number nine is Infinity Pool. Right, so Infinity Pool is a film that I think, in my brain, I'm thinking, ooh, this is quite arty and quite controversial. So Am I right? Yeah, it's Brandon Cronenberg. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Uh, Follow-up to Possessor Uncut, I think it's called. Um, stars Alexander Skargard and Mia Goth, who's having a hell of a couple of years. This is the story of a writer and his wife who are on an exclusive, all-inclusive break on a fictional island. They meet someone who's a big fan of his. They have a few drinks and they decide to borrow a car and leave the resort, which is strictly forbidden. When they're there, they have some fun, but then they get in an accident and they have to deal with the island's local police force. I'm going to leave my description of it there. Because shit happens. I knew nothing about this. And boy, did I not see what was coming. This goes all over the place. And it's just a case of sit back and laugh at the fucked upness of it. It has one of the... Well, no, it's, not. it's got about 12 of the most weirdest scenes you'll ever see. Yeah, I got a lot out of this. I think it's it, it it's arty, but it's horror. But it's it has a point. And it has a... It's another one of these look how horrible the rich are but it has it has things to say about it and at the same time it's entertaining and yeah i went ooh a few times during it so i take that as a compliment do you want to know my number eight is that what we're up i mean to? that's that's what that's is that the next bit yeah. yeah well you know me forgetting the rules um my number eight is knock at the cabin oh okay yeah mm, the new or the latest, at least, M. Night Shyamalan with twists and turns and moral quandaries and a brilliant performance by Dave Bautista. And that's what I remember out of it. So many things that I think a lot of people would go, what? And also, really? But I just went along for the ride. I wasn't entirely convinced at certain bits, but go along with it. A brilliant performance. I mean, Dave Batista really seemed like a coming what, of age from, from Dave. Big Dave. 
Big Dave. Like, he's really showing other wrestlers how you, you know, you don't just have to be an action, just because you've got a, a big body yeah. and you're a presence. He, he shows such vulnerability in this film and also that idea of, you know, you can judge a book by its cover, but then are, are you reading it wrong? And it, he just, it moves so much in that film between you thinking, oh, he's the worst person ever to... Oh, actually, I think I might have got this wrong, and, and that he just plays it beautifully, and I, th- I really think he's just a brilliant actor. Yeah, I mean, I really think he'll be getting better roles after this. Obviously, he had was it? He was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which was which was a very didn't small have a lot part, to do. Yeah, the Bond film, mm-hmm. which which uh, was just three like three dimensional, no two dimensional. Yeah, <laughs> but. And he was in that film where final score where he was it was die hard but in a f- football stadium. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'd love to see what's going. Obviously, he's done all the Guardians films, which I also think is a, a brilliant performance and yeah. a real representation of, of neurodiversity on on screen. I'd love to see what he's doing next. I think it, he's just got a great career ahead of him, and I'm really excited for for what's happening. Um, so yeah, I just I just loved it. I've ju- I wrote in my notes all a bit ridiculous, but I went along for the ride. And we had I think it prompted some really interesting like moral debates mm. on the podcast. Yeah, it, to blow our own trumpet. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been back weirdly. I've been back and listened to that episode a few times now. I think I was listening for something else, and I I've ended up like listening to that review quite a bit because it you know it's difficult to say this but we were quite funny and <laughs> yeah saying that on your own podcast i'm not i'm not having that no i know you're not you're like cut that cut that but yeah we, we were quite i think we were having a good laugh about it and also we were really getting into like you say the moral questions so yeah i really enjoyed that episode and that review so i think every year mm-hmm. there is something on my list that i think if someone just came across it and they got just so far and they were like a big fan of films, they would listen to it, I'd name a film, and they'd just turn off. Right. And we've reached that point in my Here list. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? My number eight, which I think is a better film than any of the good films that you've seen this year, <laughs> that you've mentioned, like, so far, is A Man Called Otter. A Man Called Otter. You know what? Every time you're saying I'm having to think about the, these ones, because obviously I haven't seen this one either. Does this involve Tom Hanks? Yes, this is Tom Hanks starring. It's Mark Foster, who did Quantum of Solace and mm. World War Z. Tom Hanks plays a grumpy widower who lives in this small, like, almost gated-off community. He is annoyed by all his neighbours. He is a stickler for the rules. Um, I hate to say who he reminds <laughs> I me of. I was just about to say, you're looking at me. Then a young Spanish family move next door to him. And... What do you know? They come into his life and change his world. See, this sounds incredibly sentimental and a little bit throwaway, and yet you've put this in your. I don't know why this is. I don't know why this affected me so much, Mm. but I've never cried so much in a cinema. I was in balls of tears. I don't know if I was hungover. I don't know if I was tired. (laughs) But this this is a film about grief. Um, It's also a film about community as well. The book and the this is from a Spanish uh, from a, from a Swedish book originally, and it was originally made as a Swedish film, which was written before COVID. But this feels very much a post-COVID movie because it's talking about how 
we, when we all work together, we can get over anything. Yeah, I've never cried so much. Um, I loved this film. I loved it from start to finish. Anytime a new character came along, I cried again. It's a really, really, it's, it's a little bit, I, I think it'd be, it's right it off as, as good as it gets light. Because it's a grumpy old man who gets charmed by someone who's come into their life. But I think it has a lot more to say about getting over grief. And there's really, really dark moments in this. Yeah, I think it pays off. I think it pays off. And somehow it works. Fab. I would not have seen that coming. No, no, me neither. Me neither. My number seven involves my the second of my controversial actors of the list um, in Ezra Miller. Because it's The Flash. Yes, I thought that might be the case yeah, when you said it earlier. Yeah. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it. Yes, there were problems with it. But the, my main thing was not around Miller and not around the character of The Flash. I just loved seeing Michael Keaton back on screen as yeah. Batman. You know, the elderly Batman. D- throwing the lines out from, you know, the the Burton Batman films. There was something about that from my childhood that just sort of came back and it... It wasn't done in a way that I felt cringeworthy or uncomfortable. I just felt he was having a good time, so I had a good time. I also really liked the actor who played Supergirl, whose name I wrote down. I think it's Sasha. Yeah, Sasha Cal or Callie. It's C A double L E. It's Kal-El. It's yeah. Well, I was about to do that one. They were only on screen for a short period, but I really felt. A connection to that character and real depth to that character and I wanted to see more. I wish they'd, they'd had less of her in the trailer. But oh yes. yes, yeah, agreed. I, I did feel, I'm going to critiquing it now, but I did feel that some of the visual effects, you know, the people behind the visual effects perhaps hadn't been given enough time to complete some of them. Um, but for all of these things all put together, again, I just had a good time with it. I sort of went yeah. with it. And I think, you know, there's been so much written and spoken about DC and about, you know, this is good, the end of one era, the beginning of another, and they're going to do all sorts of different things to it. And actually, these characters aren't going to be here anymore. They're going to be played by someone else. And I went into it thinking, what is this going to be? But actually, I think if you put ev- all of that aside and you look at it objectively, you know, how did I feel when I was in the cinema? And that's mainly where my list comes from. Like, what did I feel when I was there? That's why it's, you know, sort of in the middle of my my list. Because I just remember having a good time with it. The good news is that I've seen all your films so far, so I've got absolutely zero homework to pick up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you will. I really don't think you will. Are we at six? We're at number seven. Oh, we're at seven? Yes. So I've done number seven. Here we go. I've done number seven, so you have to do number seven. That's, That's correct. That's how the rules work. There we go. I think you're going to be speaking again quite soon. Go on then. Uh, because my number seven is Saltburn. Yes. I will be speaking again. Okay. Right. What's your number six? My number six is Barbie. Okay. Well, my number six is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, because we're going to have to talk about that one later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... For me, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the best use of the multiverse in superhero movies. The sheer ambition of this as an animated project is just phenomenal. I think it looks amazing. It's smart. It's funny. It's dramatic. Brilliant uh, voice performances from Sharmique Moore and Hayley Steinfeld. Um, just the balls of the directors. Like I think I said at the time, there are people, you know, there are 
a frame every five minutes that you could just put on a wall as, as and it would be art. It looks beautiful. The styling of having every single multiverse a slightly different style of drawing and just the use of just humor in this of knowing humor is just something that's so underrated for these films that i think a lot of the marvel films recently have been pretty humorless and this is absolutely you know the other side of the coin i can't wait for part three um whenever that may come i need to get into this because i have not watched the the f- the first one obviously not seeing the sequel and the i need to do it because you talk about it so passionately and obviously other people do it gets five stars across the board mm. it's something that i need to just find in my mind to watch an animated film and it is it's just a, a thing for me i don't know what it is i just need to get my brain in gear and go right okay today i'm gonna watch an animated film and here we go it's really worth it it's it's just excellent storytelling mm. Ignore the fact that it's animated. Yes. Um, you will not even think about it five minutes in because it's just good filmmaking, yeah. good storytelling. Your number five. My number five is Oppenheimer. Okay, not on my list. Not on your list. No, no. Interesting. No. Um, I know we came out and we were pretty not harsh, but we. We're not sort of screaming, oh my God, this is the most amazing film Nolan's ever done. I was harsh on it. I, yeah, uh, I, I think it's just sat with me a bit. I think I've thought about it a lot since coming out of the cinema. And whilst I have absolutely no desire to watch it again, I feel like I've had an experience that I really respect. And that's the feeling I get from it. Is that I can remember scenes, I can... Almost like, not just like flashes of scenes, but I can remember full scenes. So I must have been really, really immersed in it to ha- to almost have it playing in my mind. I can play it like like a video and I can see full scenes of them setting up the bomb and do- and not even like the big the big things, uh, you know, courtroom scenes and um, scenes in just in, in rooms. I've also really come to respect Emily Blunt's performance in the film as well and really think about Emily Bunt's performance, she, for my liking, she doesn't get enough to do. But I've listened to Emily Bunt talking about how she came to the role of Kitty Oppenheimer and the depth of, of that character work. And that I think you can feel that on the screen. And it sort of stayed with me a lot of a lot of that, that work that yeah. she did. And that's why it's so high up on my list. It's not because I love the film. Like Inception was on a little while ago and it was part way through and I just sat and watched it for the rest of the night. And I wouldn't do that with Oppenheimer. I know I wouldn't if, if it came on. Yeah. I'd have to sit and go, right, I'm I'm watching Oppenheimer tonight and for a reason I'm probably analysing it or something like that. It wouldn't be something I put on to enjoy, if that makes sense. And so that makes me feel like, what what's it doing up so high in the list? but it's because of the level of, of craftsmanship and the respect I feel for the film. For me, the the first two acts were were excellent. It then climaxed and told a story that I just wasn't as interested in as the as the previous two hours that I'd been sat there. Mm. Um so yeah, I I understand why people love this. It wasn't for me, but yeah, I can I understand mm. it's a excellently made film, but it just yeah, it, it left me a little bit cold in the end because the ending just was 
was too drawn out and not the story I was interested in seeing. Fair enough. My number five mm. is a film that I've seen, probably the most recent film I've seen. Okay, what's that? It's Wonka. So many people are talking about Wonka. Who knew this was going to happen? I had this written off. I fucking I said, didn't, I'll tell you that. What What do you mean, like, when you saw it coming out? Oh, I I hated the idea of an origin story of Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I'll say now, I don't think that there is any part of this which is related to <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate oh, Factory. We, okay. This is not an origin story of Willy Wonka, but what this is, is a fucking fun film. Family, musical entertainment. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Timothy Chalamet. Mm. I think he's uh, I think he's really good in Call Me By Your Name. I think other things I've seen him in, he's left me a little bit cold. Um, I feel I'm probably about 20 years too late to That's actually be, to, yeah. to, to get on the Chalamet train. But he is really charming. He's not the best singer in the world, but he is captivating on screen in this in a way that I didn't see come in. It's just a delight. I was sat with a big grin on my face and the songs had... I think the songs are good. Uh, I've listened to them a lot of the time afterwards. And Written by Neil Hannon, I yes, hear. Yes, absolutely. Divine Comedy. Yeah, always a, always a plus point. Always a plus. As played at our wedding. Absolutely. It's written by Simon Farnaby mm. from Ghosts. So there are loads of cameos of British actors, yeah. which is just a lot of fun. It's not just, you get the normal ones. You get like Matt Lucas and um, Rowan Atkinson and things okay. like that. But you also get like the cast of Ghosts. Okay. Um, you get Raki Thacker from Sex Education the oh, teacher right. yeah, yeah, yeah. who is abs- who is absolutely trading down when she hooks up with the other teacher i don't think so i, I think love her a match made in heaven. i love her <laughs> i know you do yeah it's who just, knew this would be on your list it's yeah like, i did not see this coming it might just be the much of a surprise but look this is the director of directed by paul king who mm-hmm. did paddington 2 and paddington 1 um just wanted to put <laughs> them that way um so look he's three for three on these films yeah. like they are all an absolute delight. They're all absolutely charming. And you just sit there and just be won over by just how how nice they are. Still don't explain how um how Wonka becomes a grumpy old weirdo yeah. in for the uh thing film, but I, I look forward to Wonka two being how fucked up he gets and oh, um everything yeah. going wrong for him. That'll be fun too. What's your number four? It's the creator. Gareth Edwards the creator. Wow. Yep. Nowhere near my list. Yeah, I didn't think so. But it's fine because that's how that's how we came out with it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we yeah. talked about it in the original review a couple of episodes ago. Um, I was very much for, you were very much sort of in, I think you respected the vision but didn't feel the story as much as I did. Correct. I, I just loved it. I love the idea of an like an original film, you know, of a film that, and also like original sci-fi as well, which pays homage to other great sci-fi and also you know war films like Apocalypse Now. Pays homage to those, but didn't make me think, oh, we're just remaking this film or we're just playing the best hits of you know Alien. I really I love the way it looked. I like the way things felt real. Even though you're dealing with high tech, some of the, the the story and the plot lines touch me sort of emotionally. Yeah, and I just, I I just thought it was something that I really wanted to get behind because you know the people involved have created something new. They've 
you know, not gone for huge, huge budgets. And they've, I think it was a real labour of love. You can sort of see that on the, on the screen. Of course, there are things that you can kind of go, oh, well, what about that? And what about that? But for me, I just came away feeling very joyful about where cinema was going when I when I think about this film I, I just have good good vibes about cinema when mm. I go oh I'd like some more of that please in my cinema screening yeah I think it's I think it's a phenomenal piece of filmmaking I think I have plot I have issues with pretty much every single part of the plot okay. <laughs> but yeah I, I think it's a very well made film especially when you understand the budget but can't review it based on what the budget is like it's... no and that's not what you know if if it was terrible if i really didn't like the story if i had major major issues with the way that it looked i would not you know that's not what i'm coming out with. i think it's just part of the story for me part of the emotional attachment is thinking this hasn't just had billions of pounds thrown at it on the latest sequel or it's so rare now that you get someone who just writes a new story that, yeah that's what i, I, I like totally about agree it. I totally agree. And I, I liked all the questions about AI, which is obviously at the, the centre of it. I really like that at the moment. Okay. Yep. My number four is Rylan. Not Rylan. No, as no. As in the, D, the DJ and former pop... Is, was he in Pop Idol? No, he was in X Factor. Oh, he was X Factor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was in X Factor. Rylan. R-Y-E. Yes, yeah. yes. Have you heard of this? I have independent film. Yeah, it's a it's a British independent film. This is the debut film by Rain Alan Miller. It stars David Johnson, who was in Industry, the BBC. I never saw that, but I've no. heard good things about it. And Vivian Oprah, who was in Class, the Doctor Who spin-off. Oh, I do remember that. Many moons ago, <laughs> like with it was um, like the Sarah Jane yeah. mysteries or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? This is two people who are both getting over separate breakups meet by chance and spend the day walking around london together just connecting getting adventures you know how much i love before sunrise mm-hmm. and this is something that will always be compared to before sunrise just because it's two people uh in a meeting. day yes yeah. of course but this is phenomenal phenomenal young black english film filmmaking to the point where i had to pause it a couple of times just to understand what some of the slang meant because okay. which made me feel fucking old You're really old now yeah, yeah yeah but i am so that's the reason why Look, this is a beautiful film um it's funny it it goes off on tangents they get in adventures uh, it's on Disney Plus, I think it is. Okay. Um, it was bought by uh, Searchlight um, after... Oh, like Fox Searchlight. It's not called Fox Searchlight <laughs> anymore. See, that's why I'm Fox. old. <laughs> um, yes, it's, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a brilliant bit of filmmaking. It's, it's you really want these characters. And it's, yeah, just a really, really good bit of filmmaking. Um, I'm so glad that this is, you know, a lovely British film that's really really worked for me this year so um yeah it's really underseen so if you've got disney plus and loads of people do yeah just watch it it's about 80 minutes long as well oh, which is brilliant. perfect lovely. doesn't stick around that's what you need yeah it's it yes oh lovely i hope more people watch it because it's on you know an accessible streaming service i hope more people on this couch watch it but um <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think we'll I'd, one day i think you'd get something out of it <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah. would i'm sure yeah. would What's your number three? My number three is A Haunting in Venice. We're getting to the good stuff. 
<laughs> we've left the good <laughs> stuff a long way behind. Ken Brunner does Poirot. I'm glad you enjoyed this. Other opinions are available. See podcast. I loved see, it. See, see the podcast review that we did. I just really, really liked it. A murder mystery. Obviously, it's got ghosts in, which terrify me. But it was done to an extent that I could close my eyes at certain points and still then get on and watch the film. I just really, really liked it. I think it was because I didn't know the story. Like I know all the Poirots. Um, I know my Agatha Christie's pretty well, but I don't know this one. I mean, when I say I know my Agatha Christie's pretty well, I know three films. <laughs> <laughs> a death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, and the one on the train, essentially, but from the 1970s. What about The Mirror Cracked? Is that oh, a... The Mirror Cracked. I love The Mirror Cracked as well. I know, these, I know these better than you. Apparently, I know you better than you. The Mysterious Affair at Styles. Should we just go and list in them? Um, is that the style of the guy from Teen Wolf? <laughs> no. no. My favourite character in Teen Wolf, Styles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I, I, so I didn't know what was going to happen going into it. I really loved the setting of Venice. I really liked the, the cast that they pulled together. The four minutes they were in Venice. <laughs> Stop it. And, and I, and I like the set the setting that, you know, they're in this big haunted house, essentially, and with lots of big rooms, and it reminded me of sort of Clue and, and other films of the time. That it, you know, there's rain pounding outside that... The wind is howling and there's a mystery at the centre of it. Some really, like, really dark scenes where, because Branner's directing and he's sort of like doing all these, what I learned were called Dutch angles, where everything's skew-whiff, as I would call it. A little bit askew. Yes, it's like a So you're Batman. like on a boat and you're like twisting It's like a 60s Batman when they yeah. go into the baddies' lair. So I just really enjoyed it. But some really dark scenery and dark, like, especially around kids, you know, haunting little kids that run around rooms and laugh and like that sort of stuff. Terrifying. So, yeah, I, I just really, really liked it. I know it's not perfect. I know that, you know, the storyline things and certain people get more time than others. And you could see where it was coming from a mile off once you sort of like put a few things together. But I really liked it. And I remember I was sat in the Tyneside Cinema in Newcastle and there was about two, three other people in there with me, mostly sort of single people just sat by themselves. And I just felt in the room, it was just like a really good cinematic experience. Everyone was very polite and very respectful of the film. And I just remember sitting there going, this is lovely. <laughs> this is also closing my eyes every now and again when the scary bits came on wish i had to close my eyes i know i know it's not for you that's fine that's okay okay you've got infinity pool on your list yes <laughs> which is uh, you'll be closing your eyes at that I'll yeah tell you. that's what i'm thinking <laughs> number two no no number three oh we're number three. Oh, my number three's been so it's yes. your number three now yes yeah <laughs> every year and my number three is barbie oh okay Right, so we can talk about it together. We can. I mean, what else needs to be said about this, really? Oh, I don't know. We could try. I mean, Barbie questions our existence in Barbie Land, leading mm. to her visited the real world. Yeah. You were singing I'm Just Ken today. Was I? Yeah. I you don't... Were. Was I? Yeah, you were. You were, you were just singing it. I was... You were tootling around the living room, and I was like, what's it? And I was like, and you were just, I'm just kidding. And I was like, oh, right, okay. I think you were listening to another podcast that was probably counting down 
their films of the year and maybe they'd mention this. Yes, because I need to listen to them all and <laughs> get film spotting released their films of the year. So I then needed to mm-hmm. um, go on and get all the consensus picks and then add them to my list. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, you you knew this when you married me. I know, me. I know. It's true. It's true. This isn't a perfect film, um, in much in the way of Haunted in Venice. But <laughs> I, I think the final act kind of drifts off off course but i went to see this the first showing um took a day off work planned to go see oppenheimer and halfway through just said i'm gonna have to come home because i cannot do oppenheimer justice definitely after sitting through this i just the fucking balls on greta gerwig Mm -hmm. to pitch this get away with it yep be able to make her film on this like fair fuck like it's I think it's just one of the most amazing pieces of business is mm. getting this through the studio system and onto a screen. Um, I, How much did we all roll our eyes? Like, more so than Wonka, like when someone said there's a Barbie yeah, movie coming yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. And fair play, she made it into a feminist... Um, and and a feminist film that people really got behind. So the busiest I've seen the cinema, and obviously I've not been that much, but the busiest I've seen the cinema when I've been this year was Barbie. And it was men and women. And everyone was there. Um, You know, it was not just women going to see Barbie. Yeah. It, you know, you really felt... I, yeah, I really felt... Because I was worried it was going to be a bit leery because the cinema was doing like special cocktails and it was there was a, there's such a big buzz around it and I thought oh is this just gonna be people chucking popcorn up in the air and being silly and there were some younger people in the audience but there was also some older oh, you know it's like middle-aged people but often the worst our age you know like all a bit giddy and yeah I oh what and I'm sat on my own near the front and I'm thinking what am I gonna have and actually it was just a joyful audience people laughing people whooping at various moments yeah but not disrespectful and not sort of upsetting other people if you if you know what I mean yes so it was a really nice cinema going experience and you really felt that people were behind the messages of the film which I found quite moving at times, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's made shitloads of money. Yeah. The problem is that I feel studios may take the wrong lesson from this. But I really hope they take that if you get a filmmaker who has a vision and allow them to just play with with the entire theme of a property, if we're going to get these toy films... Let's at least do them interesting. Let's do something different with Don't it. Don't do yeah. battleships. Do this. It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's the third best film of the year for me. So yeah, not so high up for me because th- there was some of the messaging towards the end that I felt was a bit confused, particularly around Ken and around the the men as depicted in the in the film. And yeah, that the certain bits of it, I was just like, oh, I'm I'm not quite sure what you mean to say here and I'm not sure if I'm on the same page as what is be- you know it just it confused me a little bit and originally when I was putting my list together Barbie wasn't even on my list because I I there was something about it that just hadn't hadn't worked and then the more I thought about it, the more I, 
I think what was happening was I was reacting in the way that I do to when something is really mega popular, I automatically want to run and hide from it. Yep, you do yep, that. I do do that. And so I'm sort of putting my hands up in the air and going, you know what? I absolutely should have this film on my list. I enjoyed the cinema experience. I enjoyed what was being said. I love the songs. And I feel great happiness that it's in the world for young women in particular. Yeah. And saying things. I mean, there's things that are said about women once, you know, they reach certain stages in life as well. And that whole thing of, you know, if you have a kid you do if you don't i mean you know all of those things all of the problems that women face that really resonated and so i've had to step step my madness to one side of like well everyone loves it so i'll just leave it off the list and pop it nicely in the middle your number two my number two is mission impossible dead reckoning part one Wow! Why? Why? Wow! I'm surprised at some of these picks. So I don't think I don't think this is anywhere near like the quality of the other ones. But I okay. thought there are other films that you had seen that you would have had on this list. I'm, I'm interested to hear what those are because maybe I have missed those. Who'd, who'd, no, look, look. There's nothing worse you can do than forgetting a, oh, something yeah, in a top yeah. ten list. See our earlier episode of the top ten TV shows of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just love it. I mean, I love the Mission Impossible films. I felt this was a, re- a return to form after some of the other ones where everything's got a bit big and nuclear. And and I know you're looking at I, mean, I can just see you looking at me going, oh, everything got a bit big, did it? For Dead Reckoning Part 1. But I love the stunts. I love Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt. So much so, uh, you know, Ethan, it was on the list of names to name our kids purely because of Mission Impossible. Like, I just, I wanted that spirit of adventure. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when I say it, it just sounds ridiculous. But I just love it because I love that character. I love the character Ethan Hunt. And I, I just, I really love the, the camaraderie between the people. I love the filmmaking. I think it's absolutely batshit, the fact that they just go and film things and they don't know how it's going to fit into the rest of the film or what the story's actually going to be. But they film like the big action pieces and then they work it all out. It just like that would just I can't I can't bear the idea of that in terms of, you know, organization. Some might say that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I yeah, I can I can see it. I, I look at it as how do I feel when I'm in the cinema? Well, this is what I want. I want Tom Cruise doing the mad things. I want, you know, the 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 women that he's got involved in these are like Haley. Um, I can't remember her surname. Is it Atwell? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, Atwell. I've just got. I'll just call her Haley and see if I can get away with it. Um, Haley Atwell doing these drive-ins, you know, and the the dialogue and the sharpness and the character, and just, I just I just love it. I just love being in that world with that team. And it doesn't really matter what's going on with, like, you know, oh, a villain's doing something. What are they doing? Can't really remember. Just being with those people and seeing them sort out the mission, you know, do the mission. How is easy is the mission? For me, it's really, really not very easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite hard. It's mission quite hard. Mission quite hard. Dead yeah. Reckoning Part One. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to call it Dead Reckoning Part 2. I think they're going to 
change it or something i heard i'm sure on a couple of podcasts that, and maybe a couple of magazines i'd read that there was some suggestion that it was maybe a bit clunky mission impossible dead reckoning part one so let's see what when when the next one comes out exciting Good. i just love it i love a mission impossible film I really enjoyed this. I'm just it's looking at the name of a film that I thought two. would be on your list. So okay. That, that, yeah, oh, no. It isn't. oh no. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit scared now. It might, it might be that you've thought about it. I'm and a bit scared. Thing. Anyway. I'll, I'll see. We'll see what the surprise number one is. The <laughs> film that we've already mentioned is on your list. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah. My number two is Are You There God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, lovely. Yes. I mean, you took the... You say lovely. Yeah, I know. You took the piss Sorry. out of me. Something rotten I know, that's for... really bad as well. I do feel really quite awful for that because films sh- shouldn't be gendered and i wouldn't normally do that it just seemed it just seemed like an odd odd pick for you it just because you didn't know the book just look how many boy films you've got on yeah, your list stop it well that's what you well, that's I essentially know. what you did to I me i know i know i did but it wasn't really about that it was more i think it was my personal sort of like not view but what I took from sort of the trailers and the things that this was very much targeted at young women, at, at teenage teenage girls. Yeah. Which is why I thought it was unusual that you were really, really wanting to go and see it. Well, I hope that the 60-year-old man who was <laughs> the only other person in the cinema was felt as weird watching <laughs> this as I did yeah, after yeah. having the piss taken out of him by his <laughs> wife. But um, yeah, so this is the adaptation of the Judy Bloom. Uh, story. It's directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, who did Edge of Seventeen, which is something that I really want to catch up with. Stars Abby Ryder Forston as a uh, Fortson, I think it is, who was in the Iron uh, not Iron Man Ant Man movies. She, he oh, was really? the daughter um, yeah. until he got dusted. And uh, yeah, yeah. This follows a ten-year-old girl as she moves from the city to the suburbs and has to deal with everything changing in her life, both around her friends her surroundings there are parts of religion that in her life that's that's changing uh, and obviously a body as well you haven't read the book have you no it just wasn't my cup of tea at the time i was reading point horror oh god <laughs> yeah this is a really really beautiful film you don't have to be part of the target audience it should should be said um because i got a lot out of this I understood the social dynamics. I understood the the things that happen when you're a teenager, that things change, that you meet new people, the people who you take against in class that just are, are just getting on with their shit, but for some reason you and your friends really dislike them. This is an absolutely beautiful film, and it's probably underseen, judging by, you know, I've, I've not heard many people talk about it outside of like podcasts and film reviews and things like that. Not many people in the real world. Um, yeah, I love this. I think I think you would really enjoy this as well because it's it's really sweet. Um, you know, there is, it's not perfect. There is a couple of things where storylines just go away for a little bit and then come back and stuff. Okay. It's, so in some ways it's a little bit the the editing I think could be a little bit tighter just to just to make things flow a little bit better. But yeah, otherwise, highest marks from me. I think this is phenomenal and I I love it. Your list is incredibly diverse and very well thought through. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. So what's your number one in the Saltburn list? <laughs> there is no other film for me this year than Saltburn. I knew watching the trailer that it was probably something for me. 
great big mad font. I love a big mad font across, you know, like where it just flashes up on the screen. Um, posh people in a stately home sitting out in the garden while the camera swings around them playing yes. music from the mid 2000s. I mean, it just had me written all over it. And then I went to see it. And even in a terrible cinema experience where the lights were left on, where, you know, the, the it was just so dark as well. Like the, obviously the lights were on, so it was light, but the screening itself, the, um, the projection was too dark. At no point in time did I think, I'm going to get up and tell someone about this because I was so entranced with the film. I love the themes of, you know, uh, working class or lower middle class people going to somewhere where it's just full of very rich, very privileged people and the way that they have to navigate that. I love the idea of, you know, the, the fish out of water, someone having to go to someone's home and that home turning out to be like a stately home and, and seeing how the dynamics work within that home. I just love the direction it really really reminds me of when I fell in love with Marie Antoinette Sophie Coppola and Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette very similar in that you know very musical so in Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette it's anachronistic because you've got you know new order playing while they're dancing and doing the you know it's yeah. that but also you know, the, the colours and the people and the politics and the quick editing and just and going off plot-wise into some strange and wonderful places, which Saltburn certainly does. I just really liked it. And I, I, I just, I love the fact that Emerald Fennel just goes for it. You know, in at least three scenes, she just goes, let's do this then. And for some people, that might be a bit of a turn off. They might go mm, a bit too far or what is this about? But for me, as a as someone sitting in the cinema, I was like, I'm in, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it for longer than, <laughs> you know, maybe a flicker of a second on the screen. Let's just stay with it and see where we're at. I love the fact that I was weighing up people's intentions and motivations you know the majority of the way through that I could see that some people you could perhaps see them as you know it's because they are posh and privileged and they've got all this money and they're cutting you could see them as these terrible people but at the same time you you know th there's uh, so many factors to them yeah I, I just love it and I've listened to the soundtrack ever since you reminded me that one of the first songs played in the film <laughs> is the cheeky girls have a cheeky Christmas, which I forgot existed. And so I went and looked that up and then was like, Oh God, of course. I just, I loved the soundtrack. I mean, it starts with, it starts with that first song, which is clearly well, one of the greatest well, songs ever written. Well, obviously. Um, and you know that the cheeky girls mum wrote all their, their songs. It's one of the best facts about the cheeky girls that I have. Cheeky girls mum lives in the biker wall. She does. I mean, I don't know if that's true. A, a taxi driver yes, once told no, me that. Yeah, and now I'm thinking, why do I know that? And that's because you've told me that a taxi driver <laughs> told you that. And we went past the biker wall once and we're like, do you think Mrs. Cheeky is in there? Madam Cheeky? Mal I think Lambert Opic ever visited the biker wall. The biker wall, who knew? Yeah. 
That's a tangent, isn't it? It is a tangent. Can I go back to talking about the music? You can. So right at the beginning of the film, it opens with um, Zadok the priest, Handel's Zadok the priest, which is um, a coron- it, you hear it at, at coronations or at big state occasions. And so you've got that, you've got sort of like this grand old music, you know, big coronation music with lots of um organs and then you go into the cheeky girls and then you go into a, b- a block party but actually the original soundtrack is just beautiful there's a scene called felix amica which i listen to on repeat i just put it on repeat because it's all instrumental and it's used in a montage at the beginning of the film where two characters getting to know each other and really enjoying each other's company and it's got that sort of mid-2000s electronic vibe to it but also marries in with the older more traditional almost like organ music it's it's very uplifting but it's also the sort of thing that you could i could imagine myself putting on and just writing to and that goes all the way through the soundtrack so I'm just completely obsessed by it. It's come out on Amazon Prime today and I'm having to like hold back from just sitting and watching it over because I'm scared now that I'm going to watch it again and I'm not going to be as into it as my brain tells me that I am. So I'm going to leave it for a while and then and then watch it. But I don't think it's the sort of film that I could watch. A bit like Marie Antoinette, I can only watch that every couple of years because it just, it takes me to a different, it's so sensorily like it does something to my brain and i think this it comes along once in a blue moon for me that something just clicks a film just clicks and it starts to become part of my dna and Mm. part of my sort of like list you know my top list of all time Um, (laughs) follow that i'm just surprised at where the hell jacoby lordy comes came from Mm. because i've looked at his credits and as far as i can tell he's been in the kissing booth and the kissing booth (laughs) too now i'm not saying i don't expect the kissing booth cinematic universe to (laughs) create high uh, quality to uh, stars but he's in gonna be elvis and priscilla isn't he yeah and he's australian oh and what an accent yeah yeah i did not see that coming yeah absolutely beautiful sort of that rich little you know lilt but also trying to be relaxed sort of that perfect sort of accent of someone who's from a very very privileged background but also also you know just trying to talk like a normal but yeah do you know what i mean like yeah yeah, it's it's not just cut glass english accent there's a real character to it but at no point in time would you go Oh, it's a bit of Australian. It's the character of someone who would wear very posh rugby shirts. Uh, exactly. Yeah, th- it's exactly, the accent yeah. of someone. Yeah. Should I do my number one? Could you tell me what you thought of Saltburn first? Because you haven't. Oh, given, you well, haven't, sorry, I, I didn't get a word in Edgeware. I know you were. You said you were going to. I take it you enjoyed it nowhere near as much as me, but you enjoyed it as a. I don't think Emerald Fennell enjoyed it as much as you. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I think it was a good fun romp mm-hmm. i think it dies on its ass about 10 minutes from the end okay um i it just seemed like there was a lot of endings it was it made made the, the return of the king like look like a swift ending and and you know 
uh, parts. Did it come anywhere near being on sort of your list of you know? I'm not saying. Yes, oh, it, it was, might have been at ten. Or, it was number seven oh, on my no, list. Yes, it was on your list, wasn't it? Yeah. I've forgotten about. <laughs> I realised you just got in, got on one. Yeah, and, I, just, uh, I was like, yeah. all right, off we go. Right, so it was number seven. Yes, it was the oh, seventh. Right, okay. Yeah, my seventh favourite film. So look, it's oh, good, high, right, it's high, yes. it's okay, that's high, better. Yeah. I was thinking it might have just been around the twelve, but actually, you mentioned it to begin with, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah, I think it's a great film i have the same issues with it that i have with promising young woman in that i think the ending sometimes goes off the edge yeah and i i really i found the difficulties with Mm. the ending of promising young woman i think if my brain switches i could have difficulties with other but i've just gone with it with this one there's a plot there's a plot reveal halfway Mm. through which i spotted coming a mile away Mm -hmm. but still i thought it was so perfectly played for toad and everything Mm -hmm. like that yeah i i it's a really, really high recommendation from me. I okay. think it's a four-star film. So, I'm sorry, I've forgotten yes. that it was on your list. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glad to see you I listening. I really struggle with this, you know, mm. this whole ten to one thing. What's your number one? You film know of what the... my number one is. Do I know what your number yes. one is? The number one film of the year. It's the only film I've given five stars to on Letterbox this year. A complete blank. Go okay. On. My number one is Past Lives. Empire's just made that their film of the year as well oh has it oh, yeah, yeah oh well yeah there we go yeah well, I, to, I, wish I, I wish i'd seen it i wish i'd seen it it this is a beautiful film um Celine song's directorial debut starts greta lee and tia Yu, who are two actors that i wasn't familiar with the story of nora who left korea as a child gets back in touch with an old friend uh, like the kind of person who was like your boyfriend but when you're eight so, yeah, um, gets in touch with them through Facebook, they chat, they then realise that they're living their lives too close to each other across the sea, so they agree on some distance for a little while. However, um, he says that he's going to come and visit the USA uh, with work, so can he meet her, uh, who she's now moved on, she's now got a husband. And this is the story of him spending a few days in New York and meeting up with her for the first time in, I think it's 20 years or something like that. If you look up Celine Song's life, this is incredibly autobiographical. Like, it's beat for beat. It's like, even the places that she moves to in between going to New York and everything like that. Celine Song married a writer. She's a writer herself. She moved to Canada. Then she moved to New York. Uh, she met her husband on a writing retreat. Yeah, it, it's, it's beat for beat. But this spoke to me in on a really, really personal level. And it tells me how much I've changed the person. Because 10, 15 years ago, I'd have been on the side of the star-crossed lovers. I think there's a huge amount of fascination and allure in that one person from school who you never hooked up with properly. And um, yeah, like I think that is the beauty of this for, or would have been for me, 10, like, let's say it, before we met. Mm. Now I'm watching this going, they are two different people. Like, <laughs> it's never going to work. And I think the film invites you to make those decisions. You you don't have to be totally in on, these, on either person's side. It would be really easy for this film to make the husband the bad guy. And it kind of looks like that might happen at some point, but it never does. It's... It's just they get the tone absolutely perfect. Um, and for a film that's largely in a foreign language, even though it's obviously set in the USA, it's largely subtitled. It 
it's not it's not tough to watch it's you know some of course it's not but i think this would be quite welcoming for a mainstream audience as well uh, obviously it's obviously not set the box office alight but for a film that's largely set in a different language i think it's done out really really well and it's obviously especially with the critics this is the best film of the year for me i really think you'd like it i really it spoke to me on every level it's not that dissimilar from Rylane in that it's largely two people just talking with the husband in the background it's got one of the most entertaining openings i've ever seen just for getting the mood of the film um it's a it's the opening set in a bar and it's we see a scene that's set later in the film but from a very different perspective and all of a sudden you get exactly what what's going on and the tone and the the dynamic of the film yeah, highest recommendations this is virtually a perfect film for me can I talk about the films that weren't on your list that i expected yeah, yeah go on see what i've forgotten so i thought that um may december might make your list oh i have real trouble with may december um in the storyline i found okay. very challenging because of the age difference in the um the main relationship that's been spoken about and the fact that w- one of the people was very very young yeah at the time i'm not going to go into it in case people haven't haven't seen it but i've i found it a very very uncomfortable watch i thought the acting was was great i, I didn't feel particularly bowled over by it okay um but yeah i i just found the content and the the theme yeah hard and that made it not enjoyable okay still still the michael j fox documentary oh i like that yeah i liked it as like it was a, a, a good documentary but yeah it hadn't yeah see i haven't even thought about it have okay. I? I was, i've obviously yeah. forgotten what it is yeah am i right in thinking you saw passages yes i did see passages i did and that is an excellent film i think if you had seen it it would definitely be somewhere near your top 10 because of again that's um something that you really like and you can see it from your list you like sort of like a two-hander or a three-hander very much focused on people's relationships yeah. and that's what passages is you've got ben wishaw and two other actors whose names i don't know i only know ben wishaw this is terrible um i don't come off uh, well franz rogowski and it. adele Xarchopoulos. thank you and they are you know relationships between the three of them yeah move throughout you know and, and it a short passage of time as well beautifully acted very atmospheric some uh, really well i mean how do you say this but some really good sex scenes i think you've just <laughs> said it really good sex scenes yeah just really good you know when things look natural and just the way people you can see the relationship in the scene there's obviously this is a film about romance and lust and relation, a long-lasting relationship, and then a new relationship, and but also not leave it. You know, it's a, it's three people, like I say, circling each other and trying to work out what's going on. And actually, the sex is a major part of it, and it was just very, very well done. And I I thought really interestingly shot as well. There's a lot of scenes of people's backs rather than. And we've just been watching. We've just been watching Love Actually today, this afternoon, 
and obviously there's the bit where um oh see i just say tim from the office because i can't remember his name martin freeman thank you martin freeman and joanne what's joanne's surname lumley no you know who i mean (laughs) thank you and they're obviously their stand body standing so there's various scenes where martin freeman's uh, cupping joanne's breasts and but talking about the traffic because you know they're just trying to make conversation but what they're portraying in that scene is what you would typically see in a sex scene so he's they, they are acting out what the actors will be doing and it's just very much oh well we'd like to see where the nipples are and can you just can you just massage the breasts you know and it's really awkward and it's totally unnatural and it would be on the if the film was actually being filmed this is a film passages that you know it's very realistic and true to life and you don't get any of that stylized well the nipples are going to be here and this is where this is going to be it it, there's interesting shots that go on so yeah i enjoyed it is a funny phrase like i i was left feeling quite cold at times i was left feeling quite angry about certain things that were were happening but i didn't have that the sense of excitement that a lot of the other films had for me okay okay i was just putting out that yeah. just in case no no it's in my also runs okay alongside scream six that nearly made it because I knew like the Scream oh, films, and I I even paid for Scream Six because I so wanted to see it. And then it came on Paramount Plus and literally yeah, about a day later. About a day later, so yeah, yes. there was my four ninety nine. Well, I say our line, our four ninety nine down the path. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel I've come out of this podcast episode particularly well. I got an alert from our bank <laughs> because our direct debit on Sky was different. <laughs> And I was like, why would that? Oh, fuck yeah, she bought Scream what 6, didn't buying? she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I've, I've just been looking up how long the sex scene is in Infinity Pool. There's a oh, minute. Okay, right, and yeah. it's five minutes. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. That is very stylized. Go make a cup of tea. I found back. parentpreviews.com, which oh, is no. parents reviewing films oh, no. um, based on how appropriate they are for family audience. <laughs> Overall, D. Violence, D. Sexual content, D minus. Profanity, D. Substance use, D. Keith Hawks is not a fan of Infinity Pool for the kids. Well, good. What, isn't it an 18 anyway? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, I think you've wasted your time there, yeah. Keith. Just, just just look at the rating. Go and look at like a PG or something and yeah. then... <laughs> right, well, we're done. Done for the year. Yeah, fantastic. We'll be back in the new year. Yeah. And thanks to everyone for sticking around and hanging out with us this year. Yes. I mean, both virtually and literally in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so obviously we're coming into Christmas, coming into the new year. Um, and then we've got the fun times of all the films that the Americans have been talking about for the last two months. Yeah. We've got the run up to the Oscars. Yes. Yes. Yes, how exciting. Oh, yes. We've also got the run up to the Golden Globes as well, if you really want to go that far. But yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but we'll start all over again. Yes. Films will come out. We'll we'll be back here next year. Probably take a long break when we (laughs) when we have some family emergencies that we need to Probably. (laughs) History history's written. History repeats itself, doesn't it? But yeah. But seriously, thanks for listening. Um, and thank you everyone who's been in touch with us this year. Yes. Like we've had some lovely messages through and it really does help. Obviously, we do the podcast uh, like 
when, when our child goes to bed and, and when he stays there for more than two seconds without one of us having to go up and uh, and do something there and we you know we just we love doing the podcast we've talked about that a lot how it it really helps us yeah. as you know just giving giving us this real sense of being able to just it's an, a lovely excuse to just sit down and chat to each other and to talk about the things that we love to talk about which is telly and and film yeah and to have people come along for the ride with us is just really lovely and we really do appreciate it when you drop us a line and you tell us that we're completely wrong um or as someone did recently that we um we said spoonerism or something didn't we and one one of our listeners hello neil um got in touch specifically to tell us what the actual word was was it malpropism is that what, no. what we got wrong no I, I just got a message out of the blue <laughs> from neil that just said in full capital letters Portmanteau. Oh, Portmanteau. See, I couldn't even remember. It's and this is like three days after we recorded, <laughs> I so I don't tend to listen back that soon. <laughs> so I'm just like, what the fuck is Neil talking about? <laughs> and so I went, eh, I missed something. He's like, okay, right, yeah. But yeah, that like that to me is just, it makes me smile hugely. Yes. Uh, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you in 2024. Ooh. What was that? Don't know. I don't know either, love. <laughs> Sounds like a ghost. Are you thinking about haunting Venice? Um, always. Always. I'm thinking about how that's two hours of my life I'm not getting back. If you want to follow us on social media, <laughs> to, if you want to drop us a message of um, styles of phrases, just send us a message saying, you know, um, spoonerism or... Um, <laughs> Portmanteau, darling. A ponomatopoeia. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and X oh, uh. at the Honeymoon Pod. Um, and I'm on Letterboxd, which is how I remember the films that I saw this year. Yeah, very unlike, useful. Unlike TV. We'll see you later. See you later.